Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise that his hands upon you. He's not going to let you go no matter what you're going through. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody, shake their hand, hug their neck, tell them that you're glad to see them tonight. The Lord bless you. He'll never let you go. Hallelujah. Thank God he'll never let us go. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, we're glad you came to our Wednesday night Bible study. Hallelujah. Good group. Appreciate your hunger and your faithfulness. Um, before I start the announcements, uh, my wife and I would really like to thank everybody for all the dishes and all the cookies and all the food and all the good sugar-free stuff y'all have given us for pastor appreciation. Uh, some of that stuff I thought y'all probably fattening me up to cook me or something. But uh, everything was so good and great. And we just appreciate the cards, the signatures, all the notes and letters and, and all the offerings and things. And, and we really appreciate it. Lord bless you back a hundredfold. People, even, even candles and little things to go eat out with. So uh, we, we need, we're going to have some dates. So we appreciate it so much. Um, Thank you, and we do appreciate it. And we appreciate y'all. We appreciate all the work and volunteers and everybody in this church. We couldn't make it without you. Can you imagine if you'd show up, and right now I'd be standing here, and there'd be no noise at all. We have, we have probably over 30000 easily we have over $30,000 of sound equipment and equipment. $30,000 of equipment. And without having a little bitty battery put in the mic before the service, one three three dollar battery would make obsolete everything that we got in here. Because somebody comes, gets the mics ready, gets the sound system on, somebody folds bulletins, somebody helps with this. All these volunteers, if you'd show up and there'd be no golf cart in the parking lot. Nobody turn the lights on. I mean, uh, nobody to work in the nursery, the missionettes, the Royal Rangers, or anything. Children's church on Sunday morning. Nobody to register them. We're nothing without volunteers, the greeters and usher. Can you imagine you show up and the lights are off and you walk through the foyer and there's nobody in there to greet you. And then you come in here and there's no lights and no sound, no music. It'd be pretty dead, wouldn't it? And so we appreciate every usher, every greeter, every worker, every volunteer. And uh, we thank God for you and we bless you in the name of Jesus. Tomorrow night, October 29th at 6.30 here at Word of Grace, there'll be the ladies mentoring, and all the ladies are welcome to come. Good study in the Word of God. Also, this Saturday, 6 to 8, ages 1 to 130. Uh, they'll be having uh, ages 2 to 13. They'll be having a fall fest, and everybody's invited to bring their kids and have a good time. And you can see Brother Shane about that. I believe he has needs candy. or they, They're told to bring different things. And then uh, SWAT. Uh, the uh, singles ministry uh, is going to be at the boat warehouse Saturday, October 31st at 2 o'clock. But I believe that, uh, let me give it all to you, there's a bus leaving the Kmart parking lot at 1 o'clock Saturday, uh, the 31st of this month. And if you're interested, there'll be three seats. There are three seats available on this bus. You can see Sister K, uh, Brother Bob, or Sister Annie Abels for more information. I believe they're going to go antique and then go and eat. And then the L3 uh, singles are having a pig roast October 31st at 5.30. You can see Sister Cindy about that. They'll be roasting a pig. And don't forget to set your clocks back an hour this Sunday. How many can appreciate an extra hour? Amen? Hallelujah. Three. Okay, but t- set your clocks back anyway. I want to read out of Psalms 110. I love this scripture. 
Psalms 110. Verse 3, Psalms 110, verse 3 says, Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. And so no matter what we're seeing, no matter what's going on, I believe that the more the enemy wants to manifest, the word shows us the more the Spirit of God wants to manifest. And how many of you know that many times people say, how many, you know, wants to be a volunteer for this, a volunteer for that? And some step forward and some don't. How many want to be a volunteer when God's glory starts manifesting here on this earth? How many wants to be a volunteer for the glory of God to move in the hospital, in the nursing home, and on your workplace? And how many want to be a volunteer when the power of God starts moving, uh, when it seems like everything's going down and God starts answering by fire and starts answering by rain? We want to be ready to be volunteers. And uh, I want to ask you all to be praying for me tomorrow night. How many have heard that tomorrow night LC is hosting a special prayer meeting for uh, those who have been uh, laid off at the paper mill? Well, I got called Tuesday, and I've been asked to uh, help lead in prayer and be a part of that, and that is such an honor. I, I count that an honor. We prayed Sunday morning, and come to find out there was a couple here. The lady stopped me at the door and thanked me because her husband had just been given a notice at the paper mill, and now we're going to be having this meeting. And, and I'm just believing that with the church and the city getting together that that ideas and anointing and provision is going to be made for for all of these precious people but even more and uh, I believe that we're going to see unity in our area and I believe we're going to stand and we're going to be able to we're going to be volunteers for God to minister and meet the needs of people spiritually financially and, and any other way so I just thank God that word of grace is a part of that this is the second prayer meeting just a few months that I've been invited to participate at LC. And so I just praise God that denominational walls are coming down and we're becoming one in Christ Jesus. And I feel one of the things I'll be sharing, and I want to—I know some of y'all make it on Sunday nights, some don't, and you can encourage others to come. One of the heavy principalities over our area has been the spirit of tradition. And that is going to be the fifth letter in the book of Revelation Sunday night. Sardis is the book, is, is, is the church that's heavy into tradition. And we want to attack that spirit and study. And I want to encourage you to come because I believe that it will break anything that may be lingering, but also we're going to see it broken over our area, any area of tradition that's trying to hold back from God because tradition makes void and no effect the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we don't want tradition hindering the work of Jesus. Amen. So with us, just come forward. And Lord, we just praise you that we are volunteer. We do volunteer for the anointing and the glory and the power the majesty of your spirit within us and upon us we thank you for what you're doing in our lives thank you even father when we're going through trying times and circumstances and wilderness that we know you are preparing us for greater things thank you that you are fixing our character and our personality our mind our heart into the position so that we can be positioned to be used for your precious glory thank you for your presence upon each and every one of us thank you that the spirit of heaviness is lifted And the garment of praise has been applied. And we do praise you and we do glorify you. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Thank you for your giving. In your presence, all fear is gone. In your presence, Lord. In your presence.
blessed tonight. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the book of Romans. As you know, we've been studying the book of Romans, chapter 1. Glad to have everyone here. Glad to have our guest. If you're visiting us for the first time, please look around. There are a few people visiting us, and we're glad to have you tonight on our Bible study night. I want to invite you to come back Sunday morning at 10.30, uh, 9 o'clock Sunday school, 10.30 regular service, and you'll be blessed. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, we got to this place last week, and boy, we had a good time last week. And I want you to see here, Paul gets to this point, he's finishing his introduction, he gets to his main theme, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. How many say amen to that? For I am not ashamed. Now, I shared with you in the Greek, it was like there's a drum roll, and the band is just, all of a sudden, you hear the music many times where it's just real slow, and all of a sudden, it'll just start rocking and hit a certain point. Well, that's what's happening here, is that uh, all of a sudden, there's an explosion out of Paul's spirit, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. How many believers we got here tonight? Then, Then you're in everyone, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For it's the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so we want to study a few of these words tonight. Thank God for the power of his word. And Paul was saying, no matter what I've gone through, it's been a privilege to participate in living and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how many know his gospel is triumph over everything? Amen. I shared with you that for over 500 years, they've been trying to get philosophies together. Uh, weaknesses, human weaknesses has caused them to changed their philosophies, and finally one of the uh, philosophers finally said, you know what, it's not Pharaoh's, uh, Caesar's peace we need, it's God's peace we need. And they had been searching for salvation, salteria, and that's what we're going to continue study on tonight. And it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is salvation, it is the power of God. And, and as I was reading that, I want to just remind you of something, uh, something right quick, when I was thinking of that. And I, I may touch on this Sunday morning in my message, I'm not sure, but I just hope it ignites in your spirit. You know, he was saying, I'm not ashamed of the answer to any problem or any situation, which is salvation. And we're going to study what all that word consists of. But as I was studying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it's the answer to everything. 
I want to take you back to where the children of Israel, they've been 500 years trying to find the philosophy to all their answers. The children of Israel had been slavery for 400 years. God raised a man, and God did perform signs and wonders to get them out. But the last sign and wonder, he told Moses, he says, I want you to get the people. I want you to get them together, and I want them to kill a lamb, a lamb for every family. And then I want you to take up the blood, and I want you to apply the blood. Say, apply the blood. I want, to, I want you to apply the blood over every doorpost of the home. So that when the death angel comes, he sees the blood. What does it say he'll do? Pass over. You know, how many times do we think of the things, and we're thankful for the things God has done and the prayers that have been answered. But how many of you know, there is so many things that come under the heading of salvation that has passed over our lives and passed over our home, passed over our children because the blood is applied over our family. And what the blood did over the homes of these slaves after 400 years, thank God for the blood of Jesus that is applied over our lives and our homes, things that we don't even know that could have happened. Some wreck you were kept from. Some horrible accident you were saved from. Something even worse happening to one of our children. The, the blood of Jesus being applied kept it from happening and the things passed over our home. You know, I, I remember when we were in Argentina and my two little ones were real little. Lance was still in diapers and Brandon was maybe two or three. And I had got him a sandbox that was in the shape of a boat and we had a swimming pool. And we had a gate to where they couldn't get to the swimming pool. And my wife and I was upstairs. And like that, all of a sudden, I felt something come upon me. And I heard the spirit within me say, go check on the boys. And that gate was supposed to always be locked to the swimming pool. I ran down the stairs. I ran outside. I ran around to the pool area. And the gate had been left unlocked. And Brandon and Lance, uh, two years old and and a year old, had pushed that boat-shaped sandbox into the swimming pool. And Lance had got in it in the deep part and Brandon was standing on a piece of paper and he was sinking in the water, a piece of plastic, and he was sinking in the water as he was trying to shove Lance off in that sandbox that has holes in it that was starting to sink too. And I was able to grab him and get him out. Now, because of the blood being applied, because of such a great salvation that we're going to see tonight... Thank God, hallelujah, for the things we don't know about because it didn't happen, because we are saved, because of the power of God of salvation, because of the blood of Jesus that is applied. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Thank God for the bullets that didn't hit you. Thank God for the truck that didn't go to sleep and get in your lane and hit you. Thank God for the, the, the flu swine not touching you. Amen. And you may say, yeah, but why did the other things happen? Well, thank God it didn't happen worse than whatever did happen. And you're still today and you're still alive by the grace and the mercy of God. Amen. But there's such a greatest salvation in Hebrews 2. I say time and time again, how can we neglect such a greatest salvation? And when you see what this word consists of, you don't want to neglect it. So if you're taking notes, they said, you know what? We don't need philosophies of men. We need a gospel. We need a salvation. We need a savior. And so to start off with, the word sal- uh, salvation means healing. It is salvation. It literally means salvation from physical illness. You need to write that down. Salvation from physical illness. It's aimed, the word salvation means to rescue. Salvation of physical illness. Salvation is aimed 
at rescuing. And we always used to sing that song, Rescuing the Perishing. And, you know, we know that salvation is to rescue the lost from hell. But get, a, get, get the idea here of salvation. It's also to rescue the sick from infirmity. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of divine health and healing because it rescues the sick from infirmity. Get a hold of that. It rescues the sick from infirmity. Salvation means to make well, to heal, and to restore. To make both physical and mental wholeness. That word salvation there means to make well, to make well, to heal, to restore health to both our physical and our mental wholeness. Man is pictured as someone who is suffering and God is coming down to rescue him. And it's not just from our sins, but from sickness and disease. How many of you know that there is sickness, there's disease, there's accidents, there's wearing, there's aging, there's infirmities, there's struggles, there are deformities. But thank God it's all, we're under the blood of Jesus. Amen. James 5.15 says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. 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 There's that word salteria. The prayer of faith shall what? Save the sick. How many of you believe you're saved? How many believe you're healed? It's all in the same word. Hallelujah. And it says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Make them whole. Restore to health. Mental and physical. And the Lord shall raise them up. If he committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So how many are thankful for that? Amen. Hallelujah. Now the next thing I want to talk about is that word salterious salvation from danger. Write that down. Salvation or being rescued from danger. How many of you know there's a lot of dangers out there and we need security for our bodies and for our souls from what the enemy would, would want to do and try to do? It's safe. Uh, it's safety. And independent means independence from outward circumstances. Independence from outward circumstances. And it means deliverance from enemies and dangers. And it gives the definition in Hebrew of a man is pictured walking around with enemies lurking after him, danger after danger. And man has to confront all these different enemies and dangers that try to back, attack his body, his soul, his mind, and his, spirit, and his spirit. He faces dangers of difficulties, trials, and temptations. And he's forced into combat. But praise God that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to God. They're powerful through, to God to rescue and to deliver. So I want you to see that this means to be delivered from dangers. It means safety. Aren't you thankful for that? Now, it also means salvation from life's infections. You need to write that down. Safety from life's infections. And it's not talking about sickness, but how many of you know circumstances of sin, of the curse, will try to infect our spirit and our soul? 
you can get around someone who is practicing sin, and if we're not careful, and if, our, if there's a hole in the hedge, the serpent will bite. If we're not careful, there's many times it's easy just to give in, or sometimes it's easy to find us acting differently or thinking differently. It's because there's something from the enemy or from an invading spirit that is trying to tamper or trying to invade our thinking process or the way we think or the way we speak. But it's, uh, it's important to understand that as the death angel passed over because of the blood, we've got to understand that everything that tries to infect this world the philosophy of this world the God of this world the lies of the father of this world it cannot infect me my wife my children in the name of Jesus Christ no matter what you hear on TV no matter what the enemy says no matter if they say we're all going to die if they all say there's going to bomb going to be dropped and we're going to die or if they say that the Bible's not true anymore or whatever they try to say that's infect that's to try to infect the church to cause them to start believing things that are not true but Paul says I'm not ashamed of the truth that I cannot be infected by the things of the enemy because I am covered by the blood and I believe in the word of Jesus Christ amen now it means also salvation from being lost man unsaved man or woman is on the wrong road a road that leads to death but praise God that in the middle of being lost he came and he found us and he saved us and he rescued us and he put us on the right road. Man is pictured here as wandering in a forest, trying to find some place, but he's un- un- unable to find any way to get out of his situation because the forest is so thick. He's lost. How many have ever been lost? Have ever had that feeling of being lost in the woods or being in a big city or something? Or maybe you got lost in the mall. Maybe you got lost in Walmart and you're trying to find your wife. But anyway, it's the most horrible feeling when you feel like you're lost. And this definition means that you're lost to such a point to where you fall down, and if somebody doesn't come along and rescue you, you know you're going to die. Well, we were lost, and we were alone, and we were on our way to death when Jesus found us and rescued us. And we're not lost anymore, we're found. Can I hear an amen? Thank God that we are found. He came to seek and to save. The Bible says, let me just give you this, in Matthew eight eleven through 12, for the Son of Man has come to save. That which was lost. Somebody say, save. save. That which was lost. So you see, we're not, you're not lost anymore. You may be at a point in your life you don't know exactly what to do about certain decisions, but you're not lost. And the spirit of truth has come to guide and lead you into the right path so you don't have to be wandering through life. You're not lost anymore. He's given you his greatest salvation to lead you into the right path. And it says also in Luke nine ten, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And then John 5, 14 says, Jesus findeth him in the temple, said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. We were lost in our sin, but thank God he found us. So we don't have to live according to the consequences of our sin anymore. We're not lost in that old person. I'm not getting lost in who I was anymore. I have found my new life in Christ Jesus. And the same thing with you. I'm not going to get lost in the old way of thinking. I'm not going to get lost in the old addictions. I'm not going to get lost in the old attitudes but I'm going to be renewed daily through the spirit of Christ Jesus so I'm not lost he came to seek me out he came to save me he saved me from that and we're not going back to that amen so thank God for such a great of salvation and then Matthew 1 21 he saved us from sin how many can say praise the Lord to that that word sin there means to be the slave under bondage to a master that you cannot escape Sometimes we don't think about what all we've been redeemed from. 
And the sin is the worst slave master that there's ever been. And according to Satan's mentality and the world's mentality, there's no way of ever escaping the power of sin or the power of Satan, the master over sin. There's no way that you'd ever be able to escape from that. And we were lost and we were under the control and we were under the sentence of death and we were under the guilt of, of our, and for to be punished for the guilt of our sin. But praise God that Jesus came and he took that punishment upon himself and he paid the price so that we could get taken out of darkness and the power of Satan translated into the uh, realm of his dear son through Christ Jesus and we're no longer subject to that type of lifestyle anymore so thank God we're not lost anymore but we're found amen we're liberated from the power of sin and the next thing we find is salvation Romans 5 9 means that we are saved from the wrath of God and we're going to speak more about that later on saved from the wrath of God because that's the next verse verse 18 and then it speaks about salvation finds its full meaning and blessedness in the triumph of Christ Jesus. We've been living in a desperate world, trying to find a way out, and Christ made a way for us to get out. Now, another thing in that verse that, that I, I want to share with you, in verse 17, right quick, so we get to 17 and then 18, is it says, the just, somebody say with me, the just. The just shall live by faith. And so I want you to write down that this word faith means total and absolute trust. Total and absolute trust. Total and absolute. The just shall live by total and absolute trust. It means that you can bet your life that there is a God and there is a salteria. There is a salvation. There's a deliverance from infection of sin. There's a deliverance from the power of sin. There's a deliverance from sickness and disease. There's a deliverance from hell and the power and the curse. So thank God that we can have all this and we can bet our life that we are free from it. It means being utterly sure that on what Jesus said is true and staking all time and eternity on what he said. One person once said, I have such faith and we need to have such faith that if we wake up in hell, we'll still believe in Jesus. Amen. That's the type of faith and absolute trust we've got to have. Now, I want you to see this. The just shall live by faith. It says it five times in the word of God. The just shall live by faith. This man said, if I would wake up in hell, I would still believe that there is a Savior and there is a Christ. And I would believe to the point that I know I don't belong here and I've got to get out of here. Well, that's how we have to be about everything we've been redeemed from. If you wake up one day and you're hurting in your body, you've got to say, even though my body is hurting right now I have such absolute trust that the Lord is my healer that I am not going to go around saying I'm sick and I'm dying but I'm going to go around saying I'm saved from sickness and disease I'm not going to go around saying something awful is going to happen to my children I'm going to go around saying no hallelujah I have absolute trust and confidence that my children the safety is of the Lord and they are under the shadow of the Almighty and no evil or harm can come nigh their dwelling so we've got to have that faith that absolute trust that no matter what and that word of faith it means receptivity to receive, to be, listen to this. It means to be willing to listen to the message. To really listen. So many people, you know, you minister to, you talk to, and they go, well, yeah, 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 I hear you. Yeah, I know what the Bible says, but listen to this. They go, but I got to figure this out on my own. That's not willing to listen. That's going right back to the Greeks and trying to find a philosophy where it fits in. 
But that word digestion led by faith means absolute acceptance and receptivity and willing to listen to the message. We hear it and we agree with it. And that equals total surrender. Amen. Now let me give you the definition of the word just. The just shall live by faith. If we justify ourselves, we're trying to produce reasons that why we're innocent and there's nothing wrong. If someone, justi- or if someone justifies us, that means a person produces reason to prove that we acted the right way or the wrong way. And, but this Greek word just here, the way it's made up, it means to prove or to make a person or a thing to be something. They, it always means to treat or count or reckon a person as something. How many of you know you're, you're a somebody, not a nobody? Nobody, amen? Somebody can say, you're just nobody. No, no, I'm a somebody because I'm justified. Because it says here, God justifies or saves the sinners. It does, that mean, does not mean that he finds reason to prove that they are right. Far from it. It does not even mean at this point that he makes the sinners good. It means that God treats sinners as if they had never been sinners at all. Amen. God treats us who were once sinners like we're not even sinners at all. Hallelujah. He's not, going to tr- he's not looking at treating you as a sinner, someone guilty. He's out to treat you as someone who had never sinned or is guilty of anything in their life. Amen. Hallelujah. God treats us as beloved children. Justification means that God treats us not as our enemies, but as, not as his enemies, but as his friend. Not as bad people deserve, but as good people deserve. He doesn't treat us as lawbreakers to be punished, but as men and women who are loved. The very essence of the gospel is that we've entered into a new relationship with God, a relationship with love, and a confidence of a friendship with God. How how many are thankful that you have that? Amen. A confidence with God. The just shall live by faith. People are in a right relationship with God, not because of the works of their hands, but because they know that God loves them, and everything he did, he did for them. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to read this to you here about righteousness. Man thinks that he is good enough and that he doesn't and he does good enough to be accepted by God. Man thinks he is righteous and that he walks righteously enough to be accepted by God. But it is only in the righteousness of Christ Jesus that we are counted righteous or justified through Jesus Christ. Genesis 15, 6. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it for him for righteousness sake. Acts 13, 39. And by him all that believe are justified from all things. Justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Romans 3.28. A man is justified by faith. And then uh, Romans 5.1. Therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Matthew 24.13. But he that shall endure unto the end shall be saved. We're justified, we're redeemed, and we're made holy in a righteous God's sight. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, in chapter 1, verse 18, I'm trying to get to this point for tonight. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress, suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So I want to get to this verse. Because how many of you know, I, I just shared with you real quickly here, 
a little bit about the righteousness and the justification of God. But just as God wants to justify, also God is willing to let his wrath be poured out unto unrighteousness because unrighteousness rejects what God wants to reveal. So Romans is about righteousness, but wrath is about what God is going to do if people do not line up. Paul says here, you can count on God in judgment just like you can count on God in any other way. I mean, you know, there's coming a judgment day. No matter what anyone may say, there's coming a judgment day. And that's why we want, in verse 17, we want to thank God for the blood and the righteousness of God because I don't want to experience the wrath of God, and I know you do not either. Amen. So we see here the wrath of God comes to those who refuse the truth. We saw that justification means to accept the truth. But wrath falls upon those who refuse the truth. I want to read to you in verse 28 through 31 what it says here in in, in chapter 1 of Romans. It says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, To do those things which are not fitting. Now listen, Paul is warning. He starts off encouraging the church. He gets to the point where he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Then all of a sudden he gets to the point, and as I'm preaching the gospel of Christ, I want you to understand, just as the gospel is good news to the righteous person who is accepted and living for Christ, but woe to the person who is not living his life right. And he says here, and even as they did not like to retain, they don't want to keep thinking about God. In their knowledge. And God gave them over to a debased or unearthly, uh, a worldly mind to do the things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Wow, this starts getting strong. I'm not ashamed of the gospel that is able to save, but... Be careful. There is also a judgment. There is the wrath of God for those who practice all these laws of unrighteousness. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 talks about the works of the flesh. And and it goes on to say, and the like, which means not just the sins written here in Galatians 5 or in Romans 1. And the like means all the sins. All the sins. And the word revealed there means a revelation of wrath is a revelation of righteousness. And so many times people say, well, you know, there's nothing that's going to be able to happen to me. But Ecclesiastes 10.8 says, if the person who sins causes a hole in the hedge and the serpent biteth. And talk about sin, the curse doesn't come without a cause in Proverbs 26.2. The curse does not come without a cause. And so Paul is teaching us here that just as I'm preaching the gospel and about living righteous and holy and you're accepting the beloved, there's also the importance as he got into in, in Romans chapter 1 as we get into the different areas that as Christians we have to be careful that if, we're, if we practice 
lawlessness and we practice even things like gossip and backbiting and hating and, and uh, uh, immorality and any of these other things, the curse will come because our lifestyle caused it. And the mercy, thank God for the mercy of God, but we don't always know how long the mercy of God is going to last. And Paul is saying, I'm preaching the gospel to you. He has saved you. He is saving you. But be careful not to go back into that lifestyle. In the Old Testament, the word, the wrath of God, mostly had to do with God's covenant people, Israel. You see, the wrath of God fell more upon his own people than it did upon the pagan worshipers. He offered them a special relationship if they kept his law. But they strayed and they were not faithful. You know, the Bible says that because of adultery, a man, can, a man or a woman can divorce their mate. That's what can, cuts the covenant. When, when we could go around committing a spiritual adultery, it seems to release God from his promises over us. And it opens the door that we could end up walking in areas back being lost, back being infected, back being sick, back being uh, under the curse. If we're not careful, it opens doors to fall back into that. And that's why we have to stay in church. We have to stay in the word. We have to stay close to God. We do not want to live a life of unfaithfulness to God in his word. He is holy. So we don't want to stray because it always means ruin disaster, captivity, and defeat. All the history of when it says the wrath of God ended in ruin, disaster, captivity, and defeat. One scholar has put it this way. Because he is God, because he is characterized by holiness, God cannot tolerate sin. And the wrath of God in his annihilation reaction against sin In fact, the kind of religion many times of the Old Testament, as Martin Luther found, he spoke of God's love as God's own work, and he spoke of his wrath as God's strange work. This is a baffling concept for many Christians to grasp. The wrath of God. Paul never speaks of God being angry. He speaks of God of love, and he speaks of God loving, and he speaks of God's grace, and he speaks of God's graciously giving. He speaks of God's faithfulness and God faithful to his people, but then he speaks about the wrath of God Never about God being angry. All three times is about God being angry or God's wrath falling upon disobedience. And you can find that in Ephesians 5, 6 and Colossians 3, 6 also. God who brings the wrath. In Romans 5, 9, he speaks about the wrath, about being saved from the wrath. Aren't you thankful you're saved from the wrath of God? Romans 12, 19, he advises people not to take vengeance but leave evildoers to the wrath. Romans 13, 5, he speaks about the wrath as being a powerful motive to keep people obedient. I mean, that's enough for me. Amen. Romans 4, 15, he says that the law produces wrath. And in 1 Thessalonians 1, 10, he says that Jesus, oh, hallelujah, delivered us from the wrath to come. How many are thankful that we are delivered from the wrath to come? He speaks about moral order and not transgressing or not going against what God says. It says in verse 9 that men reject within their conscience and when their thoughts, God says. In verse 20, it says without them, the signs of creation, the world groans. In 21, men do not honor God nor give thanks. And in verses 22 through 23, men become prideful and turn away from God. So I want to give you just a little bit of overview here about the wrath of God and just see some things. And I know you're excited about this message. I know this is one of your favorite subjects, isn't it? 
But how many of you know that it's something that needs to be brought to our attention because you just, you don't, you turn on TV. I don't hear about it much. But yet Paul brings it up even in the beginning of this letter that he has saved us from the wrath to come. But we have to be careful that we do not fall under the wrath of God. There are many people who have. And we do not want to reject what God is wanting to tell us. The, the word anger there, it's, it's, uh, wrath, is, is talking about that which quickly blazes up and, and quickly fades away. That arises solely from emotion. It also talks about a righteous and the just of God which is good, but an anger that stands against sin and evil. And that God cannot stand slaughter, immorality, and the injustices of men, but hates sin and hates evil and despises what is not just and what is not right. And how one day he will erase this earth. He will destroy this earth because of all the unrighteousness that's been done on this earth. He will finally destroy it once and for all. Romans 2, 5 says, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of righteous judgment of God. Romans 2, 5. Well, that's pretty strong, huh? Because of your hardness and impenitent heart. I don't see why I got to repent about this. I don't see why I have to change. He says, you don't understand by living pridefully and impenitent. Not having a repentant spirit, you're just mounting up wrath for the end times. The Bible says in Romans 2, 8 and 9. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul of man that doth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. Romans 3, 5 through 6. You can hear Paul really gets into the book of Romans. It's a book of righteousness and who we are in Christ Jesus, but it's also a book of warning against those who practice these things. He says in Romans 3, uh, 5 through 6, but if, our unrighteous, but if our unrighteousness command the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man, God forbid. For how shall God judge the world? Let me know he's going to destroy it. That's how he's going to judge it. Romans 5, 9 says, Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Are you thankful? Or cover the, yourself with the blood of Jesus and make sure you live a life of repenting. Amen. Ephesians 2, 3, Among whom also all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Colossians 3, 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 through 10. For they themselves show, show us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. Psalms 2, 2 says... Kiss the son or worship him, live for him, lest he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are they that put their trust in him. How many are thankful for everlasting life tonight? Amen. John three thirty six. He that believeth on the son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the son shall, shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Man, the wrath 
of God abideth on him. How many of you believe in Jesus Christ? And you're, Amen. Aren't you thankful for salvation? Amen. Hebrews 3.11. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. And Mark 3.5. And when he looked around about them with anger, just was Jesus being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. He said unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it out. And his hand was restored whole as the others. That's one of the examples of tradition and religion. Trying to hold Jesus back from performing the compassion and the work that God had sent him to do. So we're going we're gonna to pray. And I'm going to ask you just to bow your head there where you are. And we want to pray for a revival of souls in our area right now. The most horriblest thing in the world is for our family, friends, and loved ones that they would end up dying not knowing Jesus. There's a wrath that is stored up for rebellion. And oh, they may think they're having a party now. They may be listening to these crusaders who's going around in, in these concerts and these movies and everything seems to be about satisfying the flesh and satisfying the soul. It's all about being, letting the flesh being satisfied. But there's a storing up of wrath even of that which the world calls innocent. And Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight and Lord, forgive us for having a hard heart in this nation. Forgive us for having a hard heart and being desensitized from the truth of your word and the awesomeness of the holiness of your spirit. We cry out tonight for mercy. We cry out for mercy for our family, for our friends, our loved ones, and for our area, our community. We cry out for mercy for those who have not come to know you and those who are living their life as they wish, according to the dictates of the flesh. We pray, Father, that at this hour there is a revival, not only in our area, but in America. That people are crying out and calling out to the name of Jesus Christ, which is able to save them from the wrath which is to come. Lord, we pray for an awakening that, Lord, what some people are calling difficult times now is nothing in comparison to the eternity of the fires of hell. We pray for an awakening in our nation. We pray for an awakening in our hearts. And we rend our hearts to, in hum, humility tonight. And Lord, we confess that, Lord, it's only by the righteousness through the blood of Jesus Christ that we have any area to stand before you tonight. We don't come in our own righteousness, but in Jesus'. And we are thankful for the Lamb over our life and over our home. We are thankful for the power of redemption. We want to thank you for saving us from the wrath which is to come. Thank you for saving us from the pit of fire. Thank you for saving us from the white throne judgment. Thank you for saving us from being separated as a goat. And now we are going to be accepted as a sheep. Thank you for writing our names in the Lamb's book of life because of the blood of Jesus Christ that we would be saved from the wrath which is to come. Oh, Father, we pray tonight, make us fishers of men. Make us ready to share with friends and loved ones and those that we come in contact with that the Holy Spirit opens the door to testify, to minister, to warn them and ask them, 
the condition of their soul. Father, give us a desire and a passion for the lost. Give us a passion for those who have not come to know you. Give us a heart for evangeliz- to evangelize and evangelism like we've never had before. Give us a heart to go out and to try to call them from the highways and the byways and warn them about the wrath which is to come. That just being a good person is not going to get you into heaven. And just being saved or having a name in a rose, uh, the rose book of a church is not going to get you to heaven. Being sprinkled as a baby is not going to get you in heaven. It's only by confessing with your mouth and believing with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord will get you to heaven. So while the Christians are praying tonight, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. You may be here for the first time. You, this may be second, third time. We're not here to judge you. We're here to warn you. That if you do not know Jesus, if you are not living for Jesus, if you are living a lifestyle that is contrary to his perfect will, you want to get it right tonight. I'm not going to embarrass, but I'm going to ask you right now to raise your hand and say, please pray for me. My life is not right before God. Anyone at all here tonight, pray for me. I need to be forgiven. I want to be saved. God bless you, sis. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else tonight? Anyone else? Anyone else? Don't leave here without having your heart right with God. Don't leave here until you know that you're right with God and that you could face Him in the twinkling of an eye. Anyone else tonight? Anyone else? You may be saved, but you know you're not living right. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I do want to pray for you from here. If that's you, raise your hand. You don't have to continue living in that bondage of sin. You don't have to continue being infected and injected with with poison of sin and the consequences. You need that wall of protection. You need that covering. If that's anybody here tonight, raise your hand. Anybody at all, just raise your hand. Anyone at all. I want to get it right with God tonight. Anyone at all? Spirit of God's moving on some people in here. He's holding the tears right now in his hand. He sees your repentant heart. Even some who haven't raised their hand, he sees your repentant heart. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and your love and your greatness. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you for your love. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for us. Thank you, Lord. No one looking around, and I just ask you, just pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die in my place, to suffer for my sins and to break the curse off of my life. I accept the sacrifice 
of my Lamb, Jesus Christ. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me, loving me, and dying for me. That I may have life and that I may be rescued from hell, death, and destruction. I believe in you, Jesus. And I thank you for forgiving me and washing me and cleansing me from all sin, known and unknown. In Jesus' name, I am saved. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now stand up and just give the Lord praise. Stand up and give the Lord praise. Come on, thank you for it. Hallelujah. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Don't patty Kate praise Him. Thank Him for being saved. Thank you for being saved. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you, Lord, for saving Pineville. Thank you, Lord, for saving Alexandria and Grant Parish, your voice parish. Thank you, Lord, for saving New Orleans. Thank you, Lord, for saving Baton Rouge. Thank you, Lord, for saving Louisiana. Thank you, Jesus, for the great salvation. Thank you, Lord, for saving Washington. Thank you, Lord, for saving America, Lord. America. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Mm. You know, the message that turned America back in the 1800s was Charles Finney. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Jonathan Edwards in the 1700s, and it changed America. And the people actually, while he would preach, would feel the floor open, and they would grab their pulpit, and they would repent and cry out to God. And it changed America. And then the Chicago fires during D.L. Moody's time in the 1800s, once again, it changed America. And I believe there's coming another fire. That God's going to use and pull America back. Because he's got a purpose for this nation. I believe he's going to pull it back. And you're going to see your loved ones and your friends saved. Amen. From the wrath to come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I like to pray after service. We've got some people that wants to get prayed for. But I want to. I'd like to pray for that young lady who raised her hand. I didn't want to embarrass her. And the Holy Spirit's been ministering to her. But I'd like to pray with her who raised her hand and got saved tonight. Got her name written in the...